In the dark of the midnight Have I oft hid my face Where the storms house above me And there's no hiding place Mid the crash of the thunder Precious Lord, hear my cry Keep me safe Till the storm passes by Till the storm passes over Till the thunder sounds no more Till the clouds roll forever From the sky Hold me fast, let me stand In the hollow of thy hand Keep me safe Till the storm passes by When the long night has ended And the storms come no more Let me stand in thy presence On that bright, peaceful shore In that land where the tempest never comes Lord, may I dwell with thee When the storm passes by Till the storm passes over Till the thunder sounds no more Till the clouds roll forever From the sky Hold me fast, let me stand In the hollow of thy hand Keep me safe Keep me safe till the storm passes, till the storm passes by. Take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Appreciate the kind words that Pastor Hoover spoke. And uh, I hope he meant some of them. And uh, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I remember when I first came and preached. He mentioned when I first came and preached for him there uh, in uh, in that first building. And when we went soul winning, I remember telling him that uh, you know that that, uh, that he was in the not only in the inner city. I told him he was in the inner inner city. <laughs> I've seen the inner city, but that's that was the inner inner city. That was the but uh, so we had a good time, and I remember those services. It was a blessing, and uh, so it's been several years. How many years now has that been? Six years. I've been coming, and uh, he keeps inviting me back. So uh, I'm I'm glad he does. I don't know why, but uh, and the folks keep coming. That's a blessing. It's good to see you here tonight. And so we 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 ate this afternoon, and we ate and. Uh, and we ate, <laughs> and I took a nap and got up, and uh, and Brother Hoover and his brother were still eating, amen, and I said, good grief, man, how could a man eat all afternoon, I mean, I went to bed, and they were eating, I got up, and they were still eating, <laughs> uh, I don't know if they stopped or not, but it just looked like to me, they just kept eating, I, I got tired, I had to take a nap, so I, I, I feel more rested than I did this morning, and so I'm I'm looking forward to 
the message tonight. I hope you are too. Uh, be faithful to the services this week. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what goes on here. If you're not here, it's not going to do you any good. Amen. And uh, then be praying for the services. Uh, don't just show up. Now, it, it'll be good to have you. But, boy, you'll get so much more out of it. And God will bless so much more if you will pray. Uh, just pray that God will bless. Pray that God will give me just the right messages and speak in, in a special way to your heart and, in, and to the hearts of others. And uh, then work, as Pastor mentioned, to try to bring somebody. You know, uh, meetings like this are just like anything else. The more you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. And you just try to bring somebody, even if they don't come, uh, you know, God will bless you for the effort. But uh, just try and pray and, and work, and, and, and God will bless in a tremendous way. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to God giving us a good meeting, uh, some good meetings this week. We're going to look tonight in Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, now this morning, uh, Brother Herb Hoover said that, he, that the message I preached was a message that he had preached. And uh, I copied it from him. And I think that he probably preached this as well. Of course, anybody as old as him, there's nothing I could preach that he hadn't preached. So uh, I'm so... <laughs> so uh, this will be old hat for Brother Hoover. But for the rest of us, you know, maybe we can get something out of it. But uh, let's, let's pray. And then we're going to begin reading in verse number 11. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. And Lord, we love your word, and, and Lord, it's through your word that we grow, it's through your word that we're challenged, it's through your word that we're fed and strengthened, Lord, and the Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths, and so tonight, Father, I pray that you'll use your word to bless us, use your word, Lord, to prune us, Lord, to encourage us, to, to show us, to rebuke us and reprove us, and, uh, and Lord, everything that we need tonight, God, work on us through your word, and God, help us to be a attentive to it, Lord. Uh, help us to direct our minds to it, Lord. And the Father will just give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse number 11, the Bible says, now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. And verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fall, uh, fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Now this, this evening, I want to talk to you about three bees to beware of. I want to warn you. I want to uh, challenge you in this area. Three bees... To beware of, you know, it's going to be summer soon and uh, seems like every time it's, it's, it's going to get warm and stay warm. Then we have a setback, but eventually summer will come. And as the cold weather leaves and of course, I don't know if the cold weather ever really leaves Wisconsin. I don't know, but I know where I live. The cold weather will leave. And and of course, the warmer weather begins to come in. 
One of the things that, that we have to be aware of and, and be cautious of uh, are, are bees. Amen. And, uh, you know, I, I can remember when I was younger being stung real good by a bee. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been stung. Now, I'm not talking about these little yellow jackets that just kind of pinch you a little bit. I'm talking about one of these honeybees, one of these, uh, you know, real uh, bees with a stinger about that long. And I remember it well. I was standing by in the driveway uh, by the car, and all of a sudden something hit me in the head. Wham! And uh, by the way, that's what knocked all my hair off. Used to have a big afro, but it kind of... <laughs> But I didn't know what it was. All, all, all I know that, boy, uh, I was standing there and all of a sudden, wham, something hit, something hit me and it knocked me down. I mean, it knocked me flat on the ground. And I put my hand up there and, boy, I could feel something up there and I, I took my hand and pulled it. And if you've ever been stung like that, you know only half of the thing comes. You know, the, the part where the stinger stays in and, uh, and the body just pull that thing out. And that, 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 that stinger's still in. I had to pull that thing out. I mean, that thing stung me good. And uh, listen, that that taught me to beware of bees, amen. And uh, and from that time on, I became very cautious when it came to bees. I remember we were at a picnic once. Some folks in the church uh, had uh, had invited us over, and some other folks over. And uh, w- one of our friends, uh, his wife was was drinking a pop. I guess I guess you call, you guys call it a soda, whatever it is. Uh, drinking a soft drink, and uh, she put that that uh, that it was orange uh, soda to her mouth and drank that. And all of a sudden, man, she let out a well. Whoa! And what had happened? A bee had gotten down in that thing, and when she put it to her mouth, that bee came up and stung her on the lip. And boy, she was, and she was allergic to bee stings, and uh, her husband had to rush her to the hospital and all that thing, and all that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, what I'm saying is, you know, uh, well, you know, we have to be cautious of uh, bees. Now, bees are little things, but yet they can cause great damage. They can cause great pain. And yet this evening, I want to look at some different kind of bees. Not, not really the ones that sting you. But the ones that, if we're not careful, will destroy our lives. There's some bees in this passage, some, some things that begin with B, that if we're not careful, will destroy our lives. Now, verse 15 begins with these words, looking diligently, looking diligently. I want us to consider that. First of all, the word looking. That word looking simply means to take the oversight. It means to beware of. And God is saying that there's something here that, that I call bees that we need to take the oversight of. Some things that we need to take a very careful look at and some things that we need to beware of lest they destroy our lives. And then he says diligently. We're to look diligently. That word diligently means to search out something. It means to investigate something. And God is saying, hey, there's something that we need to investigate and look into very carefully and beware of. Now they're listed in verses 15 through 17, and I call them the three B's. And so tonight, let's just take a look at these three B's that we need to beware of. And the first B is found in verse number 15. Look at verse 15. The Bible says, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness spring up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. The first bee that we need to be aware of, listen, is the bee of backsliding. 
As Christians, we need to beware of the bee of backsliding. The word fail in verse 15 means to come short. It means to come behind, to be inferior or to lack. It means to be worse. Now think about it for a moment. God says that we're to look diligently lest any man fail of the grace of God. Now I want you to think very carefully tonight. What happens when a Christian backslides? The truth of the matter is what happens is we we come short of the grace of God. You see, when we backslide, we are actually coming short of God's grace. And, and when we do this, we end up living lives that are less than what we ought to be living for God. You see, whenever a Christian ought to be living on this level and they're living on this level, they backslidden, you see. And when we ought to be going forward for God and we're just living mediocre lives, the problem is, is that we backslid. And listen, we've come short. We fail of the grace of God. You see, there's no reason for any of us not to be what we ought to be for God. Amen? Amen. Listen, you say, boy, how can I be the Christian that God wants you to be? I'll tell you very simply, by the grace of God. And when we take the grace of God out of the picture, then what happens is all we're doing is just trying to live the life for God in our own strength. And, and listen, Christian, we fail every time. I can't be the Christian that God wants me to be outside of the grace of God. And neither can you. We need the grace of God. And without the grace of God, then we come short. Then we fail, you see. We are less. We are worse than what we ought to be for God. You see, there's no reason, again, for Christians to live inferior lives. Listen to me, Christians. There's no reason for us not to be spiritual. There's no reason for us not to forge ahead for God. Why? Because we have the grace of God available to us. None of us could be anything without God's grace. The Apostle Paul says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, you see. It's the grace of God that saves us. And listen, it's by the grace of God that we live for him day by day. I want to turn to a couple of passages. Look at James chapter 4. It's the next book over from Hebrews. James chapter 4 and verse number 6. James chapter 4 and verse number 6. The Bible shows us, tells us that the grace of God is available to us. And none of us, excuse me, none of us needs to fall short of the grace of God. None of us needs to live inferior lives than what we ought to live for God. We have his grace available. In James chapter 4 and verse number 6, notice what the Bible says there. But he giveth more grace. Now that's a tremendous statement. Here's a Christian that says, man, I'm having all kinds of trouble living for God. Hey, Christian, here's the answer. God giveth more grace. Huh? You see, I've got a tremendous struggle. God giveth more grace. You see, listen, God's grace is sufficient for us. In other words, it's more than enough. Amen? Amen. We don't have any excuse. Man, it doesn't matter what the temptation is. It doesn't matter what the burden is. It doesn't matter what the sin is, friends. We have the grace of God, and that is God's enabling that will bring us through. He giveth more grace. Now notice what he says in that passage in Hebrews. Wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Now why is it that a Christian will not have the grace of God? It's because of their pride. 
Boy, you get lifted up in pride and you get to thinking, boy, I can do this thing, man. And uh, man, I don't need it. I don't need God. Man, I, you know, I, I, I don't have to depend on God. You get to thinking you're somebody, friend, you'll fail every time. You'll fall flat on your face. I'm saying, friends, we need to live every day, every moment, totally dependent upon God's grace. Huh? And if we do, the Bible says he will give more grace. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Turn back to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14. How do we get grace? We see what the qualification for grace is, humility. Well, let's see how we get grace. What, what, what does God say we need to do in order to attain his grace? In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 14, notice what the Bible says there. In Hebrews chapter 4, the Bible says in verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Now the Bible doesn't leave any, uh, question about who that is. Jesus, the Son of God. It says, let us hold fast our profession of faith. In other words, don't backslide. Man, don't, don't lighten up. Don't go back on God. Man, you've made a profession of faith. Listen to me. You've made a good start for the Lord. Don't go back on it. Don't give up on it. Don't, don't reach a point where you say, man, I, man, I just can't live for God. You can too live for God. You can live for God. Hold fast to your profession of faith, you see. Uh, to your profession. Look at verse 15. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And what does that mean? That means that there is nothing that you and I can go through that the Lord Jesus Christ can identify with. And he, listen, he suffered everything that we suffered. He was tempted in everything that we're tempted with. The only difference is he never sinned. Amen. Huh? So when we go to him, friends, listen, we're not going to some high priest who doesn't know what we're going through. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Listen, our pain touches him. When we hurt, he hurts. Huh? And look at verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace. Amen. Amen. <laughs> that we may obtain mercy. But that's not all we obtain. And find grace to help in time of need. You see, my friend, there's no reason for any Christian to, 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 to remain in a backslidden condition. Why? Because we can go to the throne of grace and obtain mercy. And God will forgive our sins. But not only that, he will give us grace to help in the time of need. Amen. So we don't have to live inferior lives. We don't have to live a low life, you see. Well, they advertise that beer, you know, a uh, Miller high life. You know, if they were honest, they'd say Miller low life. That's a, if you drink that stuff, you're living a low life, friends. But boy, when you're living in the grace of God, that's the high life, you see. Huh? Hey, we don't have to backslide. What is the cure for backsliding? It's the grace of God. It's the grace of God, friend. We go to the throne of grace over and over and over and beg, oh God, I need more grace, God. I need grace, God, every day of my life. And friend, you need grace. Amen. 
You need grace to deal with the pressures of life. You need grace to deal with the temptations that you face. You, you, you need grace to deal with the hardships and the heartaches. You need grace and without it you'll fail every time. Beware of backsliding. Oh, that's a bee that, that has destroyed many Christians. Why? Man, they backslide and instead of getting back to that throne of grace, man, they just give up and say, well, I guess I just can't live for God. Huh? And they fail of the grace of God. They come short. Man, here it is. Here's the grace of God. And 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 a person backslides and instead of them reaching up for grace, they just say, Well, I guess I can't do it, you see. Oh, we need grace. Beware of the bee of backsliding, Christian. Well, there's a second bee that we find in that passage. Look again in Hebrews chapter twelve. The Bible says in verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. But then there's a second B. He says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. The second B that we want to look at tonight is the B of bitterness. Oh, there's been a lot of Christians destroyed by backsliding. But I want to tell you something. There's been many, many more who have been destroyed by the bee of bitterness. Well, you, you know, when you first get saved, man, what a joy it is to be saved. Praise God, man. Boy, you're living, man, just uh, uh, in the joy and blessing of the Lord. Huh? But isn't it amazing that, that so many Christians, after they have been saved a while, man, they lose that joy, man, they lose that excitement, they lose the thrill of it, amen? amen. Hey, you'd better beware of something that the Bible calls bitterness. Bitterness. He says, looking diligently, he says, let's any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We're told to beware of bitterness. Now, now listen, the word bitterness literally means a poison. A poison. And, and bitterness is just that. It's a poison, friends, that will kill you as sure as anything. And, and listen, I think that, that it would be wise to be aware of anything that, that, that's poison, amen? And I think about, you know, that, you know, you go out in the woods, they got poison mushrooms, you know, I don't pick any mushrooms in the, in the woods. Why? Cause I don't know the difference, you see, so I'm not gonna be out there eating no mushrooms, that's for sure. Huh? Poison snakes. Now, as far as I'm concerned, they're all poison, amen? The only good snake's a dead snake. Now, you might be a reptile lover, but I'm not, amen. They're all poison as far as I'm concerned. That little green garter snake, man, that thing's poison as far as I'm concerned. And I want to stay away from it. I was reading an article about a guy down in Florida who is uh, a doctor and uh, his his uh, he had a business where he would take these uh, poisonous snakes, uh, 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 cobras, king cobras and things like that and and uh, and get the venom out of them because they use the venom to make a uh, uh, a uh, medicine, you know, to, to to cure people, you know, and so they'd get these snakes and this huge uh, king cobra in a box and I, I forget the name he had for it, and this thing was huge. And boy, he went in and, and got that snake and, and put the thing on there to get the venom out, you know, and had it on there. And somehow the thing slipped out of his hand and, and got a hold of his arm. 
And, and I remember reading it in the Reader's Digest how that thing works. It didn't just bite, but it would bite and then take its fangs and just work its way down its arm. And every time just biting and injecting more and more poison into the guy till he finally, you know, was able to shake it off. But I'm telling you, the guy only had a, you know, just a few moments to live, and he's laying there, and finally was able to, you know, get up and 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 get some help, and was and was able to get to the uh, uh, doctor and to the hospital. And the problem was they were administering the wrong uh, 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 serum to him, and this guy's dying. And his arms all swollen up four or five times bigger than what it ought to be. It almost killed him, but it didn't. Now, amazingly, he went back to that job when he was done. But it made me think, man, out of all the work in the world, that wouldn't be a job that Brother McCoy would choose. Amen. Maybe a job of taking shotguns and shooting them. Maybe I'd like that. Something like that, you know. But uh, I'm, I'm certainly not going to be grabbing them and working with and all that kind of stuff. Why? Because, listen, we'd be wise to be aware of anything that's poisonous. And yet the Bible speaks of bitterness as being a poison, listen, that will destroy your life. Huh? Listen, three things the Bible tells us about bitterness that we need to be aware of in this passage. First of all, we, 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 we learn in verse 15 that bitterness starts inwardly. Like a root, okay? Look at verse 15. He says, uh, uh, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. A root. It starts off as a root. And you know what? You can't even see a root when it starts. And a seed goes into the ground, man, and the roots spring out from that seed. You can't see the roots. And if you know anything about weeds, you know, certain kinds of weeds, broadleaf weeds and things, and they grow a tap root that can be sometimes three or four feet long down in the ground. And that's why when you go to pull up one of those weeds, normally they just what? They just snap off, don't they? You know why? Because the root's about three feet in the ground. You'll never pull that thing up, you see? And, and, and listen, that root was growing deep, deep into the ground before the weed ever popped up above the earth. And God is saying that's what happens with bitterness in our lives. And it starts out so small, we don't even uh, 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 notice that it's there and it's growing and growing and growing. And then eventually it works its way outward and it begins to trouble us. Huh? Think about it for a second. And somebody offends you. Somebody says something that 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 uh, hurts your feelings and somebody does you wrong. Somebody does something. And, 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 and listen, at first you say, well, that's all right. I'm not going to think about it. And yet all the while that thing starts to grow, uh, man, down in your heart, down in your spirit. And then God says, not only does it start as a root, but then it springs up. Now, he says, it springs up and it begins to trouble you. And what does that mean? Well, then you start thinking about it. And boy, when you lay down at night or something happens, boy, you get mad all over. It starts angering you. Then you get bitter about it. Then it's troubling you, you see. And boy, you can't hardly think about anything else. You've been offended. You've been hurt, you see. And then what happens? Think about it. It starts inwardly. It works its way outward and begins to trouble you. But then it doesn't stop there. The Bible says, and thereby many be defiled. You see, it spreads abroad and, and poisons other people as well. Oh, oh boy. It's nothing like a person that's got bitterness. And they, they, they are troubled. They are burdened. They are grieved. 
And they poison everybody that they come in contact with. With that bitter spirit. Listen to me. Parents, if you're bitter, you let bitterness get in, you're going to poison your home. You're going to poison your children. Listen, you're going to poison everyone around you. Young people, you get bitter at your parents. Listen, it's going to trouble you. It's going to trouble your home. It's going to trouble everything that you're around. You better beware of bitterness, you see. Because bitterness is a highly infectious poison. That poisons and destroys not only your own life, but the lives of all with whom you come into contact. And, and, and you know, God gives us a couple of warnings in the Bible about bitterness. Look at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Look what the Bible says there about bitterness. In uh, Colossians chapter 3 in verse number 19. Colossians 3. And verse number 19, look at what the Bible says. In Colossians 3 and verse 19, the Bible says simply, Husbands, love your wives. Amen? But look at what else it says, and be not bitter against them. Oh, my friend, listen to me. There's been a lot of marriages destroyed by unfaithful mates and, and this kind of thing. But I want to tell you something. I think there's been a lot more been destroyed because bitterness gets in. Man, that bitterness gets in a relationship. I want to tell you something. It'll turn to hatred. And, 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 and all of a sudden, the person that you love so dearly, you can't stand to see them, you see. Bitterness, friends. Beware of bitterness. It, it, it will poison your marriage. Not only that, God warns us in the church against bitterness. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 31. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 31. We're warned in the Bible about bitterness in the church. Bitterness in our home, but bitterness in the church. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and I'll begin reading in verse number 30. And the Bible says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Now watch this. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. What is God saying? We better beware of bitterness in the church, friend, because bitterness can poison a church. Bitterness can poison our relationships with one another. I've been in churches, boy, where people have gotten bitter. Boy, you can feel the deadness and the coldness in that church. Man, alive, they, you know, they've got the building and they've got all of that. But listen, bitterness got it. And then, and, 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 and so this person won't speak to this person. This person can't stand that person. I want to tell you something. That kills a church. That destroys a church. Listen, the Holy Spirit can't work in a church like that. Why? It grieves the Holy Spirit. Hey, friend, you better watch it about getting bitter toward other other church members. Huh? Don't let bitterness get in. Hey, hey, listen, what is the cure for bitterness? Very simple. Forgiveness. Do you hear me tonight? You can cure bitterness.
And the guy gets on there talking about the weeds and the different things like that. And they got this stuff. You, you know, you put this chemical on there, boy, and it'll get rid of the weeds. Weed be gone. You know, there's some bitterness be gone. <laughs> and then you won't find it in a bottle, friend. But it's called forgiveness. You truly forgive someone like the Bible says, and it'll take care of bitterness. Some people are bitter for, for about something that happened years ago. Huh? <laughs> but we live in an age where, you know, it just seems like there's an epidemic of people, man, uh, uh, talking about something that happened in their childhood and they're bitter about it. Hey, <laughs> you want to take care of that? You forgive them. You say, Brother McCoy, you don't know what they did. It doesn't matter what they did. You forgive them. And you say, well, I'll forgive him, but I won't forget it. Well, if you can't forget it, friend, then you haven't forgiven him, you see? Huh? You ever cut yourself or maybe poked yourself with something sharp? You had a deep wound is what I'm saying. And you ever notice that, that it always normally, unless it's, you know, something that needs a stitch and it's separated, if it'll close up normally, it heals on the outside first. But if it's a deep wound, even though it's the flesh is closed up on the outside, you press it and it still hurts. You know what that means? It means it's not healed up on the inside. Oh, it may look well and you look at it and you say, oh, that's all. But you press it and it hurts. That means it doesn't, it means it's not healed. And, and listen, you want to know if, if, if you have truly forgiven someone or not? Huh? When you get pressed, does it still hurt? Huh? Does it still hurt, friend? Listen, if it still hurts, then you haven't forgiven. You're not healed up on the inside. I'm saying, friends, listen, bitterness can fester and fester for years <laughs> and then just break out and destroy. Listen, I'm telling you, it destroys marriages. It destroys homes. It destroys relationships between parents and children. It destroys uh, 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 people in churches. Man, they go along. Some little thing happens and boy, they, they, they just act like it doesn't bother them. And then pretty soon and before long, they get bitter and they leave the church. No, you forgive. Notice what the Bible says in verse 32 of Hebrews 4. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Amen. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. See the standard of our forgiveness? God is saying in the same way that God has forgiven us of our sins. In the same way that, now, 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 now think about it. Think about the sins that you've committed. Think about the sins that I've committed. Listen, listen, friend. The Bible says that God has forgiven us those sins for Christ's sake. And boy, I praise God for that. Amen. Huh? And God says in the same way. We're to forgive others. Wow. Praise God. But, but, but it's very practical. Why? Well, because first of all, if we don't forgive, then we, then we won't be forgiven. But secondly, forgiveness just takes care of bitterness. You don't have to go around with that thing growing in your heart and growing in your life. You don't have to, friends. Beware of bitterness. It will destroy your life. The cure is forgiveness. And then there's one last B that we need to be aware of. Look again at Hebrews chapter 12. 
He looked at the bitter, the uh, bee of backsliding. Boy, don't, don't, <laughs> don't give in to backsliding, friend. Don't, don't resign yourself to be backslidden. You've got the grace of God. Watch out for the bee of bitterness. Keep your heart clean. Keep your <laughs> conscience clean, you see. And then there's a third bee. Look at verse 16. It says, lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. For ye know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Listen, the words that describe Esau, I think, are both interesting and descriptive. In other words, what God says about Esau tell us so much about his life. He's called, first of all, a fornicator. Huh? <laughs> An immoral person. Uh, a, a, a loose person, you see. Uh, a promiscuous person. Man, the kind of uh, fella that, uh, man, just, just had no regard for anything decent or moral. He's a fornicator. But also, he's called a profane person. The word profane means heathenish or wicked. Now, now I think that those two words really describe the life of Esau. Now listen, he's called these things because of the choices that he made in his life. You see, we are, listen to me, we are denied the result of the choices that we make in life. See? Huh? Esau's choices showed that he was a fornicator and a profane person. And so the last B that we want to look at is the B of the body. We better beware of the body. We better beware of what we do with our bodies. We better beware of what we allow with our bodies, you see. God warns us about it. We're told in verse 16 that Esau sold his birthright. Now, now that's interesting. The birthright was Esau's right of inheritance. He was the oldest child. And as the oldest child, he had a right to a double portion of all that was his father's. He was going to be the head of the family once his father Jacob died. Man, that was a tremendous opportunity, a tremendous blessing. He had a tremendous future ahead of him. And yet, listen to me, the Bible says he sold his birthright. Now, ask yourself this question. For what price did he sell it? For what price? He sell it for a million dollars? Boy, did he sit down with Jacob and say, now, Jacob, you know, uh, I, 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 I have the birthright and uh, I think I'll sell it to you for a million dollars. No, it wasn't for a million. Was it for two million or a billion or anything like that? No, the Bible says, uh, listen, he traded his birthright. He sold it for one morsel of meat. Huh? One morsel of meat. And a bowl of soup. And for that, he sold his birthright. Now, what was his problem? He was more interested in satisfying his body than inheriting the blessing. Now, let me tell you something, Christian. 
That's something that will destroy your life, and you'd better beware of it. Listen to me. Or if you're sleepy, you better get yourself awake and listen to what I'm saying. There's more Christians that have thrown their lives away, thrown their futures away, thrown their usefulness to God away, thrown their testimony away, thrown their effectiveness away for God. Why? Because they're more interested in satisfying the body than having the blessing of God upon their lives. I'm telling you, friend, beware of the body. Beware of the impulse of the body. Beware of the desires of the flesh. Beware of it, you see. It'll destroy you if you're not careful. We live in a day and age that says, basically, if it feels good, do it, man. Man, if this feels so right, how can it be wrong? I want to tell you something. There's a lot of things that feel right, and they're wrong. And if we're not careful, we'll end up like Esau, saved on our way to heaven, friend, born again, and yet end up like Esau, a fornicator and a profane person. Saved. I know saved people tonight, friends, that, that, that if you were to label their lives, you'd have to label them fornicators or profane person. Oh, they're saved. They're living like the wicked. They've been born again, but boy, listen, they're, they're catering to their flesh. They're catering to their body. And God says you better beware of that. One morsel of meat. He got hungry one day. And his hunger in his mind was more important than just waiting on God. And then just valuing the blessing of God. I wonder, do we value the blessing of God tonight? Listen, you're not going to have God's blessing on your life. Listen, (laughs) and you're living in sin. You're living a wicked life. You're not going to have God's blessing on your life. Mark it down, friends. The body is not, listen, the most important thing in life is not to satisfy this body. Huh? The most important thing in life is not to follow every whim and every little desire of the flesh. That's not the most important thing in life. The most important thing is life. in life is to please God and to live for God and to be what God wants us to be. And listen to me, God will take care of the rest. Do you believe that tonight? Why is it that so many Christians, man, man, they'll throw their lives away. For some enjoyment of the flesh, it's not worth it. It's a bad deal is what I'm trying to tell you. We can look at this tonight, and I think all of us in here can say, Esau made a bum deal. Man, he got the short end of that stick. Man, he sold out cheap. And I'm telling you tonight that there's so many Christians who sell out cheap. Throw their marriage away. Throw their ministry away. Throw their children away. For for cheap, my friend, for cheap. Paul says of Demas, Demons have departed, having loved this present world. He sold out cheap, you see. Man, alive. he had a tremendous opportunity to serve God. But he loved this world more than he loved the Lord. 
But I'm saying there are people that, listen, there's people who ought to be sitting where you're sitting. But they sold out cheap. There's people who ought to be serving God. I can remember people that, that were in this church, who got saved in this church, who were growing in this church, who were living for God in this church, and they sold out cheap. Where are they today? Back in the world. Maybe in some carnal church. Huh. The question is, what, what about you? I've been saved for 23 years. And that, that's not a, that, that's a long time that maybe somebody got saved today or last year. Maybe not a long time to, I know other, Brother Hoover, others been saved way longer than that. But I want to tell you something, in 23 years, I've had plenty of opportunities to sell out cheap. The devil always offers you some morsel of meat. He always offers you some trinket. And I'm told that the Indian sold Manhattan Island for what amounts to, you know, a few dollars. They sold out cheap. That's the, that's the commerce city of the world right now. Sold out pretty cheap. And I'm saying it's amazing how cheaply we'll sell our purity. How cheaply we'll sell everything that's right and good and wholesome and blessed. For some morsel of meat, some trinket, some some fancy of the eye. Lest there be any fornicator or profane person as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright. I'm amazed at that. Look at verse 17. For ye know that afterward, now listen to me, don't ever forget friends, I, I don't care what, listen to me, look this way, there's always an afterward. Huh? Well, the devil offers Eve the forbidden fruit from the forbidden tree. She got caught up in the moment, she didn't think about afterward. There's always an afterward, you see. Afterward. And after his belly's full, after he swallowed it down, it doesn't seem so important now. And he gets to thinking about, man, I sold my birthright. Man, alive for one lousy morsel of meat. I've gave up everything that God wanted me to have. And he begins to weep and cry and desire to have it back. And the Bible says he could not get it back. Though he sought it carefully with tears. Listen to me tonight. There's some things you can't get back. There's some things you can sell, friends, that you can't get back. Huh? Oh, we better be careful. Oh, young people, listen to me. You better be careful. Husbands and wives, be careful. Moms and dads, be careful. Be careful! There's some things you can give up. There's some things you can sell that you can't get back. It's too late. It's too late. <laughs> For ye know that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. 
where he found no place of repentance, though he started carefully with tears. Oh, he wept afterward. <laughs> I think about that and I think, boy, he'd have been better off if he'd have wept before. Huh? What do you think would have happened if he'd have went weeping to God? Oh, God, I'm tempted. Oh, God, I'm weak. Oh, God, I, I want to do this, but I know it's wrong. God, help me. Oh, God. What do you think if he'd have did all that weeping before? I guarantee you he never would have done it. Hmm? Better beware of the body. Let me give you two verses and what the Bible says about the body, and then I'll be through. In verse in First uh, Corinthians chapter six. Look at First Corinthians chapter six. And verse number thirteen. First Corinthians chapter six and verse number thirteen. Notice what the Bible says in First Corinthians six and verse number thirteen. Meats for the for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now watch this. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Listen to me. Our, uh, <laughs> we live in such a morally loose, depraved society. Listen to me. Listen to me. You turn on that television, man, a lot. One immoral program after another. They promote Fornication, they promote homosexuals and, and lesbians. They, they promote everything that God hates. And I'll tell you something. If, if you're not careful, friend, you'll get caught up in it. Huh? Don't ever forget, your body's not for fornication, but for the Lord. But for the Lord. So no wonder God says in Romans 12 verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, listen, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Your body is for the Lord. Huh? It's not for the looseness and the immorality of this world. It's not for fooling around and messing around. It's for the Lord. Don't ever forget it. And the Lord for the body, you see. Huh? Now listen to me. Look at 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 27. What do we need to do? Listen, the cure for the body, dealing with the body, is something called self-control. We'd better learn it. We'd better learn it. we better learn how to say no to the body. Look at 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27. The Apostle Paul says, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, verse 27, but I keep under my body. What does that mean? I discipline my body. He says, and bring it into subjection. In other words, I don't let my body rule me, I rule it. I don't let my body tell me what to do, I tell it what to do. Now look at what he says, lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. And I myself should be rejected of God. Now, he's not talking about losing his salvation. You can't lose it. But you know what? You give into the flesh, friend, and you can be the kind of person that, that God says, <laughs> that 
He saved, but he doesn't have my approval on his life. She saved, but I can't use her. See? He's saved, but he has no testimony. <laughs> They're saved, but uh, <laughs> I don't want anything to do with them. I can't use them. I, 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 they're cast away. Boy, I've seen so many Christians like that. Boy, they used to have a testimony. They used to have an influence for God. They used to be strong for God. But, you know, used to be don't mean anything. It's what you are for God, you see. I, I, I was saying this morning that, that I've, I've got a lot of unsaved relatives. It, it, it's a miracle that I got saved. It's a miracle anybody, when anybody gets saved. It's a miracle when I got saved. Uh, listen, I didn't come from a family. Nobody went to church. Nobody was saved. There are no preachers in our family. There are no, you know, there's no godly heritage. Maybe there are a couple of generations back. I don't know about that. All I know is about my immediate family, you know, and uh, as far as I know, I don't know anybody that, that was saved or even a, even religious as far as that goes. And God seemingly just plucked me out of that, out of the midst of ten kids and just the grace of God. I just praise the Lord for that. But but listen, for for all these years, man, I I I, I prayed and 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 I've I've tried to witness to my six brothers and my three sisters and even my mother, and it just seemed like I just can't seem to get through to them, you know. I just yeah, and and that burdens me. And like I was saying this morning, I I, I think that over time I've gotten a little used to it, you know, and 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 I, and I repent of that. But you know what? For for twenty three years though. They've been watching me. 23 years they've been watching my children, watching my marriage. Now think about this. Don't you think the devil would love for, for, for me to just backslide, for me to get away from God, to go back to doing all the things that they're doing and living the lives that they're living? Listen, you think they'd ever get saved then? They've been waiting for that for 23 years. Huh? Man, their kids grow up and, and have babies out of wedlock. Their kids grow up and using drugs. They're using drugs. And what if I went back to all that? You think they'd ever get saved? No, why? Because then I'd be a castaway. And they'd be able to say, yeah, look at him. Man, man, he preached us. Man, he, man, he tried to get us in church. He did this. He did that. Look at him, man. I'd be a laughing stock. I praise the Lord. I haven't been a perfect Christian. But I have stayed with the Lord for 23 years. And I have tried to raise my kids for God for 23 years. And I have been married to the same woman <laughs> in this June 18th for 21 years. And I praise God. I praise God for that. Now, some people say, that's ah, no big deal. Well, you come from the family I came from. That's a big deal. And the honest truth is, you live in the world that we live in today, that's a big deal, you see. Huh? I'm saying, friends, we need to be careful of the body. We need to be careful. Don't fall for the devil's trinkets. Huh? Be careful of bitterness. Don't let bitterness get in. Boy, you get bitter at the authority. You get bitter at the pastor. You get bitter at the parents. You get bitter at the husband. Bitter at the wife. Don't let bitterness get in. It will destroy you and others around you. 
Beware of bitterness. Uh, beware of backsliding, friends. Oh, you may be backslidden here today. You think, boy, I don't have the joy. I don't have the blessedness that I used to have. Hey, you can get back to God. But you can't do it in your strength. But you can by the grace of God. You know what you need to do? You, boy, if you're backslidden, you get to the altar and say, Oh, God! I need you, God. I need you. I need your grace. I need your strength. Oh, God, give me joy. Oh, God, forgive me. Oh, God, cleanse me. I'm saying you pour your heart out to God and you plead, oh, God, oh, God. And you humble yourself before God. <laughs> He'll bring back, back, back the joy and the blessedness. He really will. Three B's. You better be careful. Let's bow our heads. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. I'm aware that most of the people in here are saved. Praise God. I wonder how many of you, just very quickly, you could raise your hand to testify and say, I know that I'm saved. Would you just slip your hand up quickly? Just slip it up, put it down. I've trusted Christ as my Savior. All right. I wonder if there's anybody here tonight and you say, Brother McCoy, I've never been saved like the Bible says. I can't point to a day or a time or some point in my life where I receive Christ as my Savior. I'd like to be saved. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? Pray for me. Pray for me. Anybody here like that tonight? I need to be saved. I need to be saved. Maybe you're asking, what must I do to be saved? Well, that's what we want to help you with. And if you're here tonight and you'd like to be saved, just ask you to slip your hand up and I'll include you in the prayer. Saying, I saved me, Lord. I need to be saved. Who's like that here tonight? I wonder how many Christians. Now listen, I'll be very specific. You say, Brother McCoy, pray for me. I'm backslidden. Pray for me. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where I ought to be in the Lord. Would you just raise your hand quickly? Pray for me. Pray for me. All right, you can put your hand down. How many of you would say, Brother McCoy, I, I let some bitterness get in. There's been some bitterness that's been troubling me. There's been some bitterness that's bothered me. It's poisoning me. I hate it, but I can't seem to get rid of it. Pray for me. Slip your hand up quickly. Quickly, quickly, quickly. All right, put it down. How many of you say in this matter of the body, boy, Brother McCoy, I've been tempted. And it's a hard thing, I, I guess. We all get tempted. How many of you would just say, Brother McCoy, pray for me concerning this matter of the body. Pray for me. Just slip your hand up. I'll just put it like that. Pray for me. Maybe it's a habit. And when I first got saved, I was a cigarette smoker. I'm not proud of it. I was a cigarette smoker. It took me a while to get the victory. But you know what? Through prayer, through grace, God gave me the victory. Maybe you've got a habit. Of the body. Maybe you've got some weakness of the flesh. God will give you victory, friends, if you'll seek Him. Father, help us tonight. Oh, God, bless the invitation. Help us, God, to live for you. Help us, God, to be what we ought to be for you. Oh, God, meet with us here as we. Come to the altar as we use the invitation time. God, meet with us in a very special way.
in Jesus' name. Let's all stand to our feet. As the music is playing, I'm going to ask you, Christian, come to the altar. Let God have his way. Take some time with the Lord. Would you come? Well, I know you could pray at home, but you know, there's just something about using the altar. You need to come to the altar. Spend some time with God. How about it? Come on. You raise your hand, especially. You come and spend some time with the Lord. Take as much time as you need. Come on tonight. Come on tonight. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him. In his presence daily live, I surrender all, I surrender all, all to thee, my blessed Savior, Cindy continues to play that. I'm going to ask you if God's dealt with your heart. Maybe you thought, boy, I need to go to the altar, but it's, it's too many people. There's some people that have gone back. There's room. You need to come. You come, friend. Come tonight. Oh, friend. There's some dangerous areas that we need to be cautious of. Some things that will destroy our lives if we're not careful. Destroy our homes. Destroy our church. Oh, friend, beware of the bees. Beware tonight. Bitterness, backsliding, the body. It's cast down many slain, thousands, my friend. How about it tonight? You need to get on the altar tonight? Come on. I'll ever play it through again. I'll sing it. If you know it, you can sing it. Sing that first stanza. If you know it all to Jesus, I surrender. All to Jesus I surrender, all to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily. surrender